Hello everyone and welcome to the Dark Knock podcast. My name is Mel and I will be your host. On this podcast, we delve into the topic of malignant narcissism and interview people who have survived being in a relationship with a malignant narcissist. Please email me at darknarcpodcast at outlook.com if you would like to be a part of the podcast and tell your story. That's D-A-R-K-N-A-R-C podcast at outlook.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. I was just wanting to start off with um, a little bit about yourself and um, and how this relationship has sort of shaped you as a person and how you are today. It was pretty devastating. Uh, Sherry was uh, very sadistic in her demeaning and shaming, and I totally lived my life through her eyes, and of course what she saw was never any good, and it totally devastated me for for a period of like three years it it crushed my uh self-esteem it tore me down i i had to rebuild myself from ground up and it wasn't an easy task in the beginning when you when you met her um you know during those first love bombing stages what what did it feel like like could you describe it a bit for me or give me an example of something that she did yeah I remember going to bingo with her one day and or showing up at bingo where she was playing and just the, just the light in her eyes, just and, and the way she smiled and grinned at me just made me feel ecstatic. You know, it's just, just, it was just a good feeling. Uh, she knew how to, she knew how to make me feel right, but it didn't last long. Yeah. I didn't get a whole lot of uh, gaslighting or, or love bombing. I, she basically went straight into uh, torture. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. And how long would you say it lasted, like a couple of weeks? or It lasted a couple of weeks. Her first accusation of infidelity was two weeks into our relationship. Mm-hmm. And, that, and there were so many things about me that she didn't like, and she would chastise me. Uh, put me down, and I, I, I just spent my entire relationship with her, trying to prove myself to her, and it. Yeah. Of course, I never got that accomplished. That was not a not a possibility. And how long were you in that relationship for? Three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a long time. Wow. And um, so I guess yeah, after that sort of two weeks it flipped and it was quite a drastic flip. It just started pretty much immediately. Yes, it did. It started pretty much immediately. Her, she, was, she wasn't unhappy with the way I was raised. She wasn't happy with my past. She wasn't happy with, oh, there was just a, a whole list of things that, that you know, she, she, I wasn't raised the same way she was. And, it, it, and she turned out to be one of the biggest bigots I've ever met. <laughs> Mm. it was her way or the highway anything different than her lifestyle of raising children and being a family was was wrong do you know how was her relationship with her own family and friends sherry was a people pleaser there was you couldn't find anybody that would find fault with her and nobody would believe the way she treated me behind closed doors she she uh 
she obviously got a lot of supply from her social image and she played the sweet loving person to the hilt she she had everybody buffaloed yeah and it's so confusing as well when you've got the people around you saying but this person is such a good person you know what are you talking about because they're training you to think that you're crazy and then you've got these other people around you that are now also questioning your sanity and that must have just been so difficult it was very difficult uh I fell in love with the person that everybody else got to be with, but I never got to be with that version of Sherry. My version of Sherry was a little bit darker. Yeah, that's really profound what you just said as well. Like that it's, it's so unfair because the version that you fell in love with, you only got it for those two weeks and that was, and that was it. But everybody else gets that version all the time. Yep. Did you guys go to couples counseling or did she go to therapy or anything like that? We did, at the end of the relationship, we did go to couples counseling and she managed to ruin that almost from the get from the very first session. Right. Was ha when you say she managed to ruin it, was she manipulative in the sessions? Is that what you mean? No, she had, after our first session, she had told me that the counselor had pulled her to the side when I went to use the restroom and said that, she he said she said that he said Sherry he's broken, and I can't fix him, and you you should get away. Oh my god! And that was after one session, and she was trying to convince me that a professional counselor and I knew better. It was it was an outright lie that I it just. So I I told her that uh, well I'm going to ask him about that with the very next session, and of course that session would never happen because she did not want to be called on a carpet for that wow so, so it was our our chance of what i thought was a chance of reconciliation turned out to be a, a dead end and i was very very upset with the fact that she was trying to manipulate me into feeling broken and unfixable i i, I felt that was pretty low i realized she'd been kind of basically doing that all along and I really feel that she was projecting how she felt inside. She didn't want to be the broken and unfixable one. So she projected that to me, like often happens with narcissists. Absolutely. So would she comment, would she say, like comment about you being weak and broken and things like that on a regular sort of basis? Or did she only talk about like the brokenness in that particular period when you guys were trying to go to therapy and work through things? She excelled at taking a particular fault or flaw, whether it was real or imagined, or and she would sit there and beat me up with it all night long until I was in a rage or I was in tears. And then she'd say, see, you're mentally unstable, emotionally unstable. And that, that was her trump. That was, that was what she wanted. And then, so she'd quit. And then a few minutes later, she'd start it all over again. She she. She was very sadistic in her methodology. She she enjoyed telling me that I would never be good enough to get a house key back. She realized what that key symbolized to me, and she 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 repeated that nonstop. You'll never be good enough to get a house key back. So like she she knew she she knew it hurt, so she would say it often. 
Yeah, like that. Just you're just deliberately trying to wear you down so that you just can't recover anymore. Correct. Mm. Yes. I was never allowed to feel good about the relationship or myself. That's that's so terrible. Did I know this sounds really quite bizarre, but I've talked to some people in the malignant narcissism forums and they talk about like that they've seen during rage attacks the person's eyes sort of go a little like blackened um and that they would when they rage did you ever experience any sort of manifestations like that in her i feel that there is a demonic side to the, to this dynamics i I, mm. I did see her eyes go black I know, I know it's a very controversial opinion, but I have talked to some people that they completely agree with you. They do think it's a, um, you know, a, a demonic possession. Um, but of course, I guess, and that's, it would make sense why psychology can't really do anything for these for these people. Um, and because you also would have witnessed the, spl- the split, you know, the pure rage, and then the you know, trying to calm you down and a little bit of love to just keep you there. Yep. Mm. Most definitely. Yeah. I've always I've always said that when a, there's a narcissist around, the devil can be idle. I've that's just it's something I've kind of coined, but it, it yeah it really is true because they they seem to be doing Satan's work of tearing people down, destroying people ruining their lives, pushing them to suicide, which is exactly what a dynamic force would do. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Was Cheryl, was she diagnosed or do you just know that's what she was? I just know that's what she was. At one point I had her take an online test with me to check where you were on, on the spectrum of narcissism mm. and she she pegged out <laughs> on, on wow. this, she pegged out so i'm 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 more than confident yeah that she she was a narcissist well everything you're saying just is textbook malignant narcissist but yeah in terms of the the demonic sort of thing it's i know it sounds really quite um quite out there um but i I'm actually wondering if there has been any malignant narcissist that has received some sort of intervention or prayers of exorcism and if that's actually, um, you know, made any sort of difference in their life. Because I tried to find online if there were any sort of accounts of that and I really couldn't find anything. I've done some research in that area in there and you're right, there's not a whole lot of... uh... Information that the, the the priests and the and the psychologists do not intermingle. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're so right. There's, so there is no there is no information out there to support any of that because you know it, they just don't get together. The, yeah. the priests and the psychologists are like mixing oil and water. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like I would like to go back to uni and do my PhD and I would love to do something like that but you've got an ethics committee you've got to get past and you can just imagine how difficult that would be plus you've got to get a supervisor that actually is willing to go forth on that topic with you 
So it's really quite a dead end. Um, it's yeah, the really the only way you'd be able to test it is if you did it yourself. And then of course the malignant narcissist is, is not going to be too keen on doing that. Um, yeah, so it's a really tough situation. I've actually answered a couple of questions on Korg concerning spirituality and, and the uh, narcissism and mm. evil, which if the absence of love isn't evil, I don't know what is, but I've had yeah. quite a few people send me their stories about the, the turning to the, the proportions of the face where they, they completely change their appearance, their, uh, their eyes turn black, uh, the, the, disembodied voices so there there is there is some scraps of evidence here and there but nothing that that you can throw together and come mm. to any conclusions with yeah no absolutely i mean there there are i've read a couple of books um on different exorcists in the u.s so there's father vincent lampert um father chad ripperger and Monsignor Rossetti, and he's actually been a psychologist of 20 years. And um, when you read about them, because they've all performed exorcisms and they talk about the sort of manifestations that they see and they talk about the black eyes, some instances, the little like slits eyes, like little snake eyes. They talk about the sort of guttural, deep voices, the face morphing and it's it's very much overlaps with what you just said about the manifestations that the the victims of malignant narcissists have witnessed. So, I think it's I think it's an area that absolutely needs to be investigated thoroughly because if you think of how much pain and permanent, in a lot of cases, permanent damage that these people cause to so many people throughout their lives. I think it should be absolutely prioritised that we're looking into this field. I'm convinced there's an overlap between yeah. evil and evil and narcissistic behaviour. Would Would you say you think it's just the malignant or would you say like it's lower level narcissism as well? I think it could prevalate through the entire spectrum. I mm. you know that there, there's... You, basically judge a narcissist about how they prefer to get their supply and it, you, any covert narcissist could easily turn into malignant overnight. You know, it, it, they're not stuck in one particular, they can, they can, they can slip up and down the scale. So I, I think any level is possibility for being touched. It's so good to talk to you about this because you, you really don't get many people that you can talk to about that spiritual side of narcissism. Um, so it's it's just so good to be able to talk to someone as well because they censor, you know, our online forums and they can delete whatever they want. So, yeah, when I actually messaged a lady, I was, I'm on a, um, a forum on Facebook um, um, with malig about malignant narcissism and she was saying, you know, that she she needs to leave and so I was messaging her because she just said she wanted someone to talk to. And I said to her, does he have antisocial personality disorder? She didn't know what that was. So I sent her like a little summary of what it was. And she's like, yes, that's him. 
She's like, he's physically abusive. I said, have you seen his eyes change color? She's like, yes, they go black. And he, he spits at me and, and then he doesn't remember it, which not remembering is also a symptom of complete demonic possession. That's what the Catholic church says. So, but I, I said to her, I said, I know this sounds really weird, but I really think you should contact your local exorcist and just talk to them for advice. But of course, if people don't believe, they're not going to do it. So it's a really difficult situation. Yes, it is. Mm. The devil's the devil's biggest tool is not knowing that he's there. Uh-huh. And I think we're fighting a really intense spiritual battle at the moment because the way the way that I see it, I think so many people around us have mental health issues, and I think a lot of it is because of trauma, and I think a lot of them are narcissists. Yep. Yeah. So um, did she make you question your own memories? Yeah, she did. She she was she gaslighted me quite a bit, actually. She any anytime I tried to bring up something that she she did that was contrary to the sweet innocent Sherry picture that she was painting, it you just go blank. You know, just just to what, yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain how she would shut shut me down and and change what I thought or. Mm so subtle as well and I think that's the thing because once you've you've been abused over and over and over again and your memory has been you know messed with over and over and over again you really question your own sanity and and your memory sort of shuts off and it isn't remembering things the way it used to do you suffer memory problems now because of the abuse you endured I don't really think I'm, I have too many memory issues but there's there's a lot of residual emotional trauma that I still still haunts me I guess yeah during the abuse could you sort of feel yourself disintegrating like psychologically yeah like like I said she she would have sessions where she'd pick a subject one night say say it would be infidel infidelity and she would just hammer at me that is so yeah. terrible it was it was um, systematically brainwashing me is what it was. She'd wait until I was in a rage or I was broke down in tears, begging her to stop, and then she'd she'd shut it down for a little while and then she'd start it up again. It was it, she really had to have enjoyed that. Yeah. I can't see I can't see no purpose for it. And it's so confusing at the time because. Because the way that they frame it and because they're so persistent, you start to think, oh, well, maybe they are being a little bit reasonable. Maybe I am being a bit unreasonable. And that is just so confusing. Maybe I am crazy. Yeah. So when you broke up, what was that like and how did it sort of happen? It, it actually happened the second time she tried to bring up the uh, lie she told our counselor. She she would always say the thing that she would think would hurt me the most. In that mm -hmm. particular instance, bringing that back up was what hurt me the most. And I was thinking she's trying to make me feel broken 
and unfixable again. And that's kind of when I drew the line and was able to find the strength to to walk away. But it, it, I ch I changed the hell of living with Sherry for the hell of living without her. It it was mm. it was hell that uh, I believe added to the fact that I had a heart attack. I think it was the stress of my goodness trying to stay away from her trying to break up with her trying to get me back it was i just changed one hell for another is what happened yeah so she she tried to hoover you after the breakup i spent a lot of time being resentful and texting her and she hmm. she she uh she shielded herself from that so i was i was basically i wasn't i was a pathetic person for a for a few months after we broke up and I I haunted her basically telling her what I how I felt about how she treated me and she didn't want to hear that she didn't want to hear the truth you know she she's got herself painted with the perfect picture that everybody else sees and that's what she wanted to stick with and my version of the truth was something that she avoided so I didn't get a lot of hoovering she did come back a couple of times and I I basically chased her away yeah yeah wow and um sorry go ahead i was pretty bitter i I, mm. I was i was broken and i knew i was broken and i knew the reason and i I had no problem voicing my dissatisfaction with her treatment of me to her which did not go well <laughs> yeah with a malignant narcissist also because they spiritually break you down as well as mentally. Um, have you dealt with trust issues since this? Have you been able to go out and try to meet another partner or is that just not even on your radar? It's not even on my radar. It's not. Yeah. I spent, I spend zero time looking for another partner. It'd have to, it'd have to drop it in my lap. It, it, it's, and that's not going to happen. So I, Mm. And do you feel like your ability to just trust people in general has been has been, I guess, shattered? It's been shattered. There, there's, I, I just I'm automatically looking for the dark side. You know, it, it, there's there's probably no way to let anybody in at this point because because of the trust issues. Yeah. It's good that you're aware of that though like because I feel like a lot of people you know they'd go through this and then they would want validation from you know another partner maybe not this extreme of a case but in an abusive relationship and I mean that would just bring more issues if they're not if they haven't done as much healing as they can I suppose that's mm. true uh, if you if you go in there half healed you're, it's just going to cause problems. You're just going to generate, uh, just you're going to you're not going to be able to trust the person. And you're going to be questioning them, and that's basically kind of abusive in itself. Not trusting somebody that deserves to be trusted, so they're going to end up being slightly abusive themselves because the trust issues are very big in any relationship, you know. And if you don't trust mm -hmm. your partner. That's going to cause rifts that, that are going to break the relationship up. Mm. If you're mm. if you're not healed, there's no point in 
even trying to get in a new relationship is you're going to bring the baggage into the new relationship. How have you tried to recover as much as you can from this? Like what strategies and what have you, what have you done? Well, in the beginning, I buried myself in my work and I, I, my recovery was stalled. And so I, reached the point where I'm not going to waste any more time on me. So I turned around and started helping other people. Mm. And that's what that's, that was my uh, saving, saving grace. That's what pulled me out of my rut. That's, that's what saved me was helping other people. And that, that was that, my, my biggest, biggest strategy was just putting my, putting my petty problems aside and, and picking up on some of these people that are just coming out of it, totally devastated, totally, shell shock not knowing what the heck just happened to him yeah it's, it's it's devastating to people i think that it's so difficult because if you have a partner that you know passes away you people people are there for you and people really comfort you and it's it's obviously a horrendous terrible thing to happen but you've got people that support you but in these sort of situations you have no support. People think that you're crazy because this person was such a fantastic person in their eyes. How could they be an abuser? And you're just expected to just go on with your life as normal. Go to work, you know, function normally um, because it's not it's not really seen for what it is, which is a, which is a living hell. It's funny you should say that because that's one of the things I advise people that I advocate for is don't expect support from anybody that hasn't been through this mm -hmm. and they, they don't understand narcissistic abuse. They'll never understand narcissistic abuse and the support even from counselors is not there if they're not trained with for narcissistic abuse. Yeah. It, there, there is no support. I, that's what I tell people prepare them for it because there, there is not a support system out there for somebody who's been narcissistically abused in terms of um cheryl's past relationships what did you ever get to hear about what happened to her past partners like did they go through deep depression or anything like that i uh after i wasn't getting any closure from her i went to her boyfriend before me mm. and me and him put our heads together and and decided that one of the things we decided was she was never going to get to heaven. Mm. So he, he, he went through the same trauma, the same ordeals that I did. And she had an ex-husband that she broke up with. It ended up being that he was suicidal or, or they had a gun and he had a gun and the cops called her on the, while they were breaking up and wondered if he was suicidal and, she said something to the effect of to the cops, do you want me to come there and pull the trigger? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it was, I've, I've got, I've, I had many conversations with her ex-husband or her ex-boyfriend before me. And we, we came to the same, we'd all come to the same conclusions independently about how you would never, never once had a heart to heart with her go well, you know, and it's, the petty jealousies of her jealousy was on out of, out of the off the charts. Do you have an occasion that just springs to mind that was 
you know, this joyous, wonderful occasion and then she turned it bad in some way out of nowhere? Yeah, uh, we were, that happened quite a bit where particularly we went for Labor Day weekend at, at a camping resort and I thought this is my chance to relax. I, I was doing a lot of work and turns out that I was supposed to sit there and cater to her and her needs. And I wasn't allowed to, wasn't allowed over to the pool because there might be scantily clad women over there. Oh my goodness. So I, I, I was basically just a prisoner in, in the camper and it just, she just soured what was looking, what I was looking forward to was a, a mini vacation. And yeah, there was a, I kept trying to get her to go away on a, on a weekend with me to, so I could kind of rest and recover from over, overwork. And she would never go, never go, never go. And then one of her girlfriends wanted her to go to a, some concert, basically a drunken cowboy party. And she mm. was all ready to get on that plane. And it's, it, that's just, that's just, made me feel horrible the fact that I could not get her to go away for one night and as soon as somebody else wanted to take her out she she was, she was ready to go off and run and I was could I mention one more thing of course three Christmases in a row mm. you automatically want to be with the ones you love on Christmas yeah and three three Christmases in a row she told me to make my own plans or make plans with somebody else with her family that didn't include me so I, so, so I got three Christmases in a row ruined because she told me she didn't love me basically yeah the indifference kills you as well spiritually because they just don't care they don't care yeah they don't know they're supposed to care no. it, it's it's oblivious to them do you that feel that lack of empathy goes deeper than you than anybody imagines? You know. Do you feel like you have become numb in your life because of what you've endured? Yes. Mm. Well, yeah i i i shut i shut down a lot of feelings that I couldn't process, and they're still they're still blocked. And it's difficult because. If they're blocked, you need to be able to access really painful things to process them. But when you've gone through such a severe abuse for so long, it's you you don't know how to really access that trauma to process it. Yeah, it's um, I liken a lot of that to a uh, scar tissue. You know, you, you're you're healed, but there's there's parts of you that just are not going to come back. There's, parts that are going to stay hurt no matter what you might be healed but mm. that scar tissue is going to pull and tear every once in a while do you do you find like your your ability to experience joy in just simple things of life like you can't experience that joy in the same way that you used to be able to i don't do anything fun i don't go to concerts i don't go camping i don't I don't do anything fun anymore. I I just don't engage. There's no point in trying to because it just ends up being, well, I wish I was home. <laughs> Absolutely. And um yeah, this is probably a tough question, but did so after like 
you guys were were officially sort of broken up, she, I'm assuming she was just out there looking for more supply immediately. You know something? She never quit looking for supply. Even when we were together, she, yeah, mm. she had a, somebody she'd been dating before we got together that should have been informed that she was in a committed relationship and not available for dating anymore. Three months into our relationship before I found out about it. And she found my replacement six months before we broke up. So she, wow. she looking for supply was, uh, it never stopped, even though we were together. It was an ongoing process. It's just consistent also. Like you get no break when you're in that sort of abusive situation. You know, and the funny thing is I, I found out that she was still conversing with somebody she was dating before we met because that was the thing that she come up with that particular evening that would hurt me the most was the, the truth was actually what would hurt me the most that particular evening. And that's how I found out about it. My goodness. That was, that was what she was going to use to hurt me the most. And that, that was, she excelled at that. She, she would always come up with something that would hurt me the most. You know, mm. just go for, go for the, the kill. They take your deepest wounds and then they try to just exploit them and rip them open as much as they possibly can with no remorse or regret. They do things that we would shock ourselves at and be remorseful over with with absolutely no qualms. It's, they, they forget about it in in a few hours. It, the, the devastation that they caused you, you, you got to live with it. And they, they forget about it. And you're supposed to act like you forget about it a few hours later. And do you feel like you have a shorter fuse and like you get more anger than you used to get because of what you've gone through? I've kind of always had a short fuse, but I've, there's no doubt it's affected my emotions. I don't, I have less tolerance of people, you know, that, that helps keep me isolated a little bit. And that's what all this abuse does. It just what makes you not want to interact with people because you're so done and you've been abused so badly and then the people that you've tried to reach out to, they don't understand. They can't understand what you've actually been through and the evil that you've endured. So it's just easier to retreat into yourself. Yep. Um, people treat you like you're overreacting. It's just it's just a breakup. And that's exactly what you get. And that's the just further further invalidates the victims of narcissistic abuse pull yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever. Back on the topic of evil, I actually tried to like write a few letters to different <laughs> psychiatrists and priests overseas and I didn't receive any reply from anyone. But I feel like there's, I feel like we have an obligation to try to tell people about the origin of this disorder because I think it stems from trauma and that the um, narcissist goes through when they're younger. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something also, it's hard to find people talk about their experience with, with malignant narcissists. It's not really like I tried on YouTube, I tried on podcasts, I tried Googling. There wasn't really like a long interview that I could listen to 
um, where people are actually talking about their own experience. And I think if we can, if we can tell our experiences, if someone that is in the situation that is confused and doesn't know what's going on comes across it, then maybe that would be able to, you know, help them. Thank you so much for for talking with me today. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really happy that I, I got to talk to you. It's been wonderful. Uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to put my story out there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'll let you go. My pleasure. God bless you. God bless you. You have a good morning, I guess. It's over there. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> thank you so much. All yeah. right. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. If you'd like to be a part of the podcast, again, please email me at darknarkpodcast at outlook.com. Thank you.